Well, Merry Christmas. Welcome. It's a joy to be here with you to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to, um, this evening, just share a little bit about why we do what we do. Why do Christians celebrate Christmas? What is that about? And um, so it has been the practice of the church um, to celebrate Christmas. And, and for our church specifically, many churches um, across the nation for, for a long time, churches have gathered on Christmas Eve um, for the express purpose of setting apart our thoughts um, this night on the wonder of, of God's fulfillment and sending his son, Jesus Christ, and then to sing songs in praises to him and in, in response of the wonderful gift that God has given to us. So when Christians do this sort of thing, when we set aside days on the calendar, days like Advent or Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, specifically Christmas Day, when we set that aside on the calendar as um, the, uh, the day we celebrate Christ's birth, we celebrate it not because we think this is what makes us a Christian, Plenty of people celebrate days like Christmas and Easter who don't confess Christ. They don't serve Christ all the other days of, of the year. Um, their celebrations might be enjoyable. They might be meaningful, but their significance is in the realm of, primarily in the realm of sentiments. But for Christians and for the church, Christmas and celebrating Christmas isn't really about warm sentiments. Even when you think about it, it's not just about sentiments about Christ's birth. We celebrate Christmas actually as a means of grounding ourselves in the reality of the Son of God's coming into our world. And it's the same with days like Easter and Good Friday. You know, it's not like we ignore the truths of these things the rest of the year. We don't ignore the reality of Christ's coming the rest of the year. We don't ignore the reality of, of his resurrection on every other day but Easter. No, rather when we mark these days in our calendar, it's like, um, the marking of, our, of one's wedding anniversary. Or it's, it's like the marking of a national uh, holiday that celebrates uh, a nation's independence, like the 4th of July. And you think about those examples, what, what is the significance of those days? You know, why do, why do married couples celebrate their anniversary once a year? Why does a nation, why do people in a nation celebrate, for example, July 4th? And, and the day of our independence. Well, it's because those days mark out significant events that either changed our lives or they, may, um, or they changed the lives of our nation, right? They changed the lives of a, of a people as a whole. And they're, they're, in a way, they're identity markers because they're days that, that um, were so significant to us that they, they changed who we are. There's something of our identity that's wrapped up in those days, in, in anniversaries, in, in holidays. So the Christian tradition of setting apart days like Christmas, Easter, Good Friday, they orient our years and our lives to the life of Jesus Christ, to the life and work of Jesus Christ. What it does is it grounds us in, in the historical reality of Christ's coming to earth, in the historical reality that there was actually a day when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. When we celebrate Good Friday, it's grounding us in our years and the reality that there was a day in which Jesus Christ hung on the cross for our sins. And when we celebrate Easter, we're, we're grounding ourselves in the historical reality that there was a day in history when Jesus rose from the grave. And, and these days are significant for us, and they're not only significant for us, but they're significant for the whole world. So you think about 
our calendars and, and how our holidays, our calendars, our holidays actually say a lot about us. They say a lot about who we are. Our yearly celebrations tell the stories of the most significant events of our lives. So for us, for the church, when we celebrate Christmas we're, and Easter and, and Good Friday, in this way, the rhythm of our years are set to the tune of the great gospel story. The one, uh, and and uh, our lives are oriented around Jesus Christ, the one who has changed our lives. In love, the Father sent the Son into the sin-cursed world to lift the curse, as we just sung, to defeat the works of the devil, and to redeem rebellious sinners back to himself. So the birth of Jesus is the dawn of good news shining its rays upon a darkened land. No announcement was given among men um, from heaven like this. No announcement that has ever been heard on earth was as good as this announce, announcement. It was good news. It was good news of great joy for all people. Now, for those who have been with us for the last few Sundays, we've been in uh, our Advent series looking at the birth of Christ from the Gospel of Matthew. Last week, we considered the Magi and the story of, of these foreigners traveling from afar to see the newborn king that they might worship him. And we said this was actually a hint to, to the reader that the reign of this king, this, this man who was born king of the Jews, it was a hint that his reign would extend far beyond the borders of Israel. And as you read the rest of the Gospels, you find out that it's true, that he's not just the king of the Jews, he's, he's, he's the one who was born who is going to be king of the whole world. Now, we confess, as the Christian church has down through the centuries, that Jesus Christ is the savior of those who receive him in faith. They're saved by Christ from the eternal consequences of their sin. They're saved from the power of the devil and the power of sin that once held them captive. They're saved to have peace with God. They're saved to have life under his blessing and rule and his grace. And all of that's gloriously true. But Christmas is not merely the celebration of the coming of a personal savior of certain individuals. The birth of Christ was the coming of the king of the world. The birth of Christ was the, the coming of the savior of the world. And to say that means that the one born in Bethlehem, the one who died on Calvary, the one who rose victoriously, is God's anointed king over all people, over all ethnicities, over all nations. All of humanity is called to bow before the king who has come to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. And to say he's the savior of the world is to say, along with the apostle Peter, that there is no other name given among men by which we can be saved. The salvation of the individual and the salvation of this world cannot be accomplished by any man but by Jesus Christ and by any means but by faith in him. So when you start to put this together, the universality of Christ's reign and his authority and what it means that he's the king of kings and lord of lords, then you start to understand why saying Merry Christmas has actually become a controversial thing. It's not just that some people don't celebrate Christmas, and some people are offended because some people don't celebrate Christmas. Maybe that's part of it. But the more offensive part is that when Christians say Merry Christmas, when the church says Merry Christmas, we're proclaiming the birth of the Savior King of the whole world. That's to assume that Christ is King even over those who don't believe in him. It's to assert that the history of this world and everyone in this world revolves around the one person, Jesus Christ. The whole history, listen, the whole history of humankind is divided into two parts, before Christ 
and the year of our Lord. And it doesn't matter if you want to call it B.C. and A.D. or you want to call it B.C.E., before Common Era, and A.C.E. after Common Era. Is that how it goes? It doesn't matter. Why? Because the very, the fact that we date our history this way shows that the history of mankind res- revolves around this one man, Jesus Christ, who was born on Christmas Day. So the Christmas announcement is the Savior of the world has come. And the Christmas invitation is come and receive your king. Bow down for, before your king. Now these truths are wonderfully captured in the classic hymn by Isaac Watts, Joy to the World. It's amazing to me that you can still hear this song playing in grocery stores and in the mall. You know, just out loud for everybody to hear the lyrics. You know, it wasn't too long ago that a bunch of people sang this song who are really famous and are expressly not Christians, at least not that I know of. You know, you can hear Mariah Carey on the radio singing Joy to the World. Have you ever listened to the lyrics? It, it rings out every Christmas time. So I want to read them to you. Listen, and I think I have the lyrics there for you. Listen to the lyrics. Joy to the world. What? The Lord has come. Why is it joy to the world? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has come. And what's the call? The Christmas announcement is, let earth receive her king. And the implication is, let earth and everyone on the earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Jesus Christ reigns. He reigns right now from the heavens. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sound in joy. If men aren't going to sing it, the rocks will sing it. Christ is king. Then verse 3, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. Why? Because he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Isn't it amazing that God has has secular people singing that at the, the top of their lungs for all to hear? He rules the world with truth and grace. They don't even know what they're singing. He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. So Merry Christmas. The Savior King of the world has come, and he came to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. The great reversal of the fall of man has already begun at Christmas. From his heavenly throne, he rules the whole world in truth and grace, so that in the end, all that men and nations can do and do will only serve to prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And so we sing in joyful proclamation and in faith-filled anticipation of his kingdom come, Let all the earth receive her king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this Christmas Eve. We thank you that on this night we remember the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the king of the world and that even now he is making the nations prove the the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. And we give you all the praise for all of this. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen.